0: Welcome to Back in Control Radio with Dr.
1: David Hanscom. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. I'm your host, Tom Masters, and our guest today is Charlie Merrill. He's a physiotherapist based in Boulder, Colorado, using mind body strategies to treat acute and chronic pain symptoms. In addition to working with clients, he teaches clinicians and also works with Lynn Health to help normalize, scale, and increase access to treatment strategies based on the idea that emotions manifest in physical symptoms. Welcome.
0: Thank you, Tom. Charlie, welcome to the show. You know, I've seen your name off and on forever. I'm not sure we've actually ever officially met, but anyway, in these days, Zoom is, I guess, officially meeting. So, uh, welcome.
2: Thank you. I'm honored. It's nice to be here. We've had some fun conversations and I have appreciated you from a distance and have sort of taken your confidence from all of your writing and your prolific content and brought it into my own work. So I appreciate you as well.
0: Well, thank you. So anyway, um, I'm going to you introduce yourself a bit more. Charles. I know you are a physical therapist, which, you know, you just told me you practice for 22 years and you've done a lot of the same transitions that I have done, going from a structural based model to just taking the whole body as a unit. So um, you do mostly musculoskeletal, correct? At a pretty high level.
2: Yes, I've done a, a mix of things. I'd say you know everything from elite athletes to to you know everyday folks that are that are you know in chronic pain across the whole lifespan, from young kids up to elderly. But it's all been mostly orthopedic focused, you know, injury, rehab, pain, that type of thing.
0: So um, what Charlie and I are going to try to convey today as clearly as we can, people get tired of hearing me say this, is that there's a tendency in orthopedics to turn back pain over to physical therapists or physical or neck pain or whatever part of the body that hurts. And we sort of expect the physical therapist to fix it. Is that true, Charlie? (laughs) I mean, it's a bit of a problem for the physical therapist because if you don't fix your patients as well as we think you should, we just send it to another physical therapist. So there's a huge disadvantage for physical therapists because they're really dependent on the doctors for referrals, and what's happened is that I have found out the hard way, from my own experience, but also watching people, that chronic pain is not completely a musculoskeletal problem. You know, what's been shocking to me as a surgeon is that emotional pain and physical pain manifest. It's a back and forth, bidirectional process. So we can't just do physical therapy without addressing the emotional pain. Of course, you have just emotional pain. There's a physical component to it also. So it's a very intertwined topic. And Charlie knows my lines that there's really no separation, it's all just one unit response. So, Charlie, how long did you do sort of traditional physical therapy?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, I, I learned in school, right, that as you said, our job is to fix people, our job is to evaluate and figure out what's what's not working what's the tissue that's the problem where's the person weak where's the person stiff how are they moving in ways that maybe aren't the healthiest Um, we learned that things like posture are important right and structure and we learned all about the anatomy so I came out of school I'd say with a traditional education Mm -hmm. Uh, I spent a lot of time and and money going through sort of manual therapy, continuing education, to learn how to use needles and manipulation and fascial release and, you know, Graston and all of these hands-on techniques that I was really excited about, right? Because I'm like, wow, I have this ability to now come out and work with my hands and really help people and really fix them. Um, Pretty quickly, I learned that, that that wasn't the only thing that I needed to be able to do. And that while I was pretty good at those things, my relationship with the client seemed to be a very important part of the process that I think I realized was one of the reasons I, I stood out as a, as a therapist. So th- at a, at a, at a very basic level, being able to be optimistic and hopeful and help people reduce their fear and uh, remind them that, that they heal, right? These are things that I started doing very early, even though I was, using these more traditional modalities to fix people and it turns out that works pretty well like if you can reduce people's fear and you can offer them a solution that makes sense to them um that isn't based in fear um you get people pretty far you know well it's interesting,
0: so- interesting that you see like the data now shows i didn't know this i don't think either one of us did this 20 years ago but It shows that fear of pain actually inflames the nervous system and the pain actually increases not not imaginary increase your body's inflammatory process goes up so being afraid of the pain actually makes the pain truly worse Mm -hmm. and so you see you sense that pretty early on in your career
2: for sure and you know i think physical therapy at its best at least traditionally is around evaluating the person and coming away with a laundry list of findings that you can explain to the person in a way that makes sense. Like, okay, I found that your pelvis is doing this and you're a little weak here and, you know, but all these things are treatable, right? We can, we can, I can manipulate this. I can needle this. You can do a little strengthening and you're going to do great. And if you have a good relationship with the person and you do that well, and especially, if you're not just treating the body part that hurts, but you're explaining it to people in more of a systems way where you're saying, you know, your back's kind of important because it affects your foot and your hip is kind of important because it affects affects your back and you know, your neck and your shoulder are related. So we wanna kind of treat this as a system. Um, That's kind of traditional therapy at its best, but what it leaves out, well, first of all, it, it flips the power dynamic to this paternalistic, right? Situation where mm-hmm. I'm the one that has all the answers, which we know isn't true. It takes away the patient's autonomy, right. um, and it leaves out uh, most of the variables that are really driving pain for most people, <laughs> which is a big problem, right? As we know, yeah. Well, you brought
0: up a point in one of your questions you asked me is that <clears throat> um, how do I say this? I'm not. I don't want to be too negative here, but we're sort of obliged as clinicians to always find a cause for the symptoms and so a lot of the times I mean honestly we just make stuff up you know this is our alignment this is out of alignment this is our alignment and um jumping way ahead in the story we know for instance lack of sleep actually causes chronic back pain so there's a lot of causes of pain with the mechanical part being sometimes a large part of it sometimes not so large but a lot of times even when this little malalignment alignment has nothing to do with it Again, I know you don't do this, but a lot of physical therapists really make things up. And then all of a sudden we have, if we just fix this, your pain is going to go away. Well, guess what? It doesn't a lot of the time. Any comments on that aspect of just medical care in general?
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I got, I was really good at making up stories when I walked away from an exam, right? I I felt like really proud of the fact that I could take all these findings in my 30 minute exam and make up this great story for people that helped them make sense of why they hurt. And again, if that made them feel safe, whether it was a placebo, or sometimes I call it a magic trick, it, it worked some of the time. Right. Um, and then sometimes it was only temporary and then they'd come back and then they're in this dependency mindset of, "Well, oh, I need Charlie to fix me again, which didn't feel great to me because you know I want them to get well. I want them to go out and thrive, um, which has always been my mindset as a clinician um I I don't want I don't want people coming back to see me all the time because it doesn't feel like I'm you know I'm doing a good job um right
0: but I mean you're right I think that this is pretty common in the clinical world both surgical and non surgical where if you for instance if we tell you that this degeneration is the cause of your pain then we can do a surgery on it to fix it well you mm-hmm. and I both know that degeneration does not cause pain and talk about something being made up, why disregeneration is a classic one, and so all we know, I mean, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you do have tissues under your thumb or whatever, you guys have hands of steel, by the way, um, that hurt, and you can make all sorts of things, reasons up why it hurts, but we know a sensitized nervous system has a big factor, there's sleep, there's anxiety, there's fear of the pain, all these things add up, and physical therapy, the physical part of physical therapy just really addresses that physical component. But if you don't address the other issues, why of course it doesn't work. So you sound like you started pretty early on. So I'm going to jump clear to the end of the story and then work backwards again. So now you now we both understand that, you know, the mind and body is sort of a unit. You ask me a question, do I call it TMS anymore? The answer is no. TMS stands for tension Myositis syndrome. I use a term of, terminology called NPD. Some people use the term mind body syndrome. I actually have dropped all of it. Your body responds to stresses, your body's inflamed, you're in fight or flight, your nerves are sensitized, your brain cells inflamed, your metabolism's off, you're consuming your own tissues. So when people look at their, look at just their body's response to a threat, whether it's mental or physical, their body's reacting like this, it just is a lot easier to understand. So I don't put a diagnosis on it anymore. It sounds like you can do the same.
2: Yeah, I, I just, I don't like the word syndrome or disorder. I just, I just say this is part of being a human being. I like to tell stories of how it shows up in me and my kids and my, my wife and my clients. And I just feel like it's part of the human experience. So I don't like to make a diagnosis anymore, I'd rather just normalize it, you know? Right. So
0: how did you become aware of the role of the nervous system um, sensitivity being a factor in magnifying or decreasing pain?
2: Yeah, I think, you know, you asked me originally how long did I do traditional PT, probably the first half of my career, the first 10 years, I was very immersed in this manual therapy biomechanical model Um, with the emergence of pain neuroscience education, which is what my colleagues call it, you know, the Mosley and Butler, NOI group and Adrian Lowe world, the physical therapy community did a great job of of, um, sort of spreading the science around this and helping us learn how to change the way we think and be able to educate people in a new way. Um, I realized pretty quickly, though, that that fell short of actually doing the work of helping people, you know, get well. Um, As I say, education gets people to the starting line, but it doesn't help them actually do the work of healing or unlearning symptoms or whatever you want to call it. So I, I started with this sort of movement in pain neuroscience education, and then very quickly As I started to learn from you and Howard Schubiner and Dave Clark, um, and I got courage around this, I realized that I had to unlearn a lot of what I learned in school to be able to do this well. I had to let go of a lot of stories. I had to bust a lot of myths. And I started to connect with this community of clinicians that was already starting to do this. Um, So I swung all the way over into like the full on, at the time was what TMS and and mind-body syndrome, right. which made it this very sort of dualistic binary, like you either have a, an injury or you have a psychosocial factors that are causing your pain. Um, you had to make a diagnosis. And then I swung back where now I feel like I'm kind of in the middle, where I'm trying to reconcile these two worlds of how the physical therapists look at it with basic pain science education and how the more like strict mind-body community is looking at it um, as this binary, knowing, as you said before, that the mind and the body are connected, right? You can't separate them. And so how do do we really do this well with fidelity to all these ideas that we now know are so important? So
0: I give lectures to both physicians and physical therapists, mostly sometimes chiropractors about how to enjoy managing chronic pain. And I'll ask you a leading question here is that, you know, if you're doing just physical therapy when there's a neurological slash sleep component to it or something else going on, it's very, very frustrating. Conversely, when you actually can listen to your patients, they feel safe with you, you reassure them, um, you teach them the aspects of pain, actually address those, um, it's incredible to watch people heal. So, what becomes normally a source of frustration becomes to me, as one of my friends put out really clearly, I just get really energized by my patients getting better.
2: I love the way you said that. I teach people how to enjoy helping others heal their chronic pain, because it really does feel that way when you make this shift. It's really difficult to to, to encourage physical therapists, chiropractors, body-oriented clinicians to let go of this old model, but once they do, They're totally re-energized and inspired, and there's so much meaning. And you're not only helping people feel better, but you're actually helping them change their lives, as you know, and grow as people, right?
0: Right. That's remarkable. So, and then, you know, when I talk to every, again, any group I talk to is that the data shows that only about 20% of physicians are comfortable treating chronic pain and the less than 1% enjoy it. But if you're not treating the right aspect of the pain, of course, it's going to be frustrating for everybody. So it happens. And so, you know, people in chronic pain get very frustrated because they're not being treated correctly. But clinicians aren't being trained very well. And then if you're really addressing a given patient with the wrong treatment paradigm, I mean, how can anybody be happy?
2: Yeah. And as as you said earlier, there are a lot of messages in this old right, wrong direction. So we feel like we're swimming upstream as clinicians trying to spread this word. Um, And at at some point, I'd love to talk about Lynn Health, because as as I realized that I couldn't scale what I did, you know, bigger than my clinical practice, it was very clear that um, I needed to sort of look in other directions, including teaching and, and technology. And so how do we scale this and make it accessible to more clinicians and to more people that are suffering in pain that aren't getting the right information. Right. Um, the Lynn Health platform is, I think, hopefully an emerging way that, that that's going to be much more accessible.
0: Jay, let's talk about Lin Health for a second. So let's back up just for a second. What is Linn Health? It's spelled L-I-N, correct?
2: Lin.health is a digital health platform that I've built with some of the sort of leaders in this this world, some of the the best scientists and psychologists and physicians. And we're helping to, to, again, make make this information and make the treatment strategies accessible and affordable to more people. Um, A lot of these people have already been through multiple physicians, multiple physical therapists, multiple chiropractors, and they're just they feel lost, right? Right. And, and there aren't a lot of us yet that are that are um, capturing those people in our clinic to be able to share what we're sharing. So we we've built this with um, with this whole model in mind, right? We're we're building it uh, in a way where we're really trying to do both things well. We're trying to respect that. You know people have this history and we want to we want to be able to talk about the body and consider the body but we really want them to be able to feel confident in going down this new road and having access to the strategies that are going to get them where they need to go um it's kind of a long-winded way of saying of saying that you know this is this is a place where people can get on their computer get on their phone and be able to access everything they need
0: so when you talk about, so is this something that basically is a resource for the patient or the therapist or both?
2: Um, it's a great question. Uh, as we start to engage more with physicians, we're re- we're realizing that, as you said, a lot of physicians don't don't have the knowledge or the skills and don't really like treating these people, the, right. those people that are struggling with pain. So we're reaching out to them to be able to offer them support to offer them an alternative to injections and surgery and other interventions. And w- our hope is that we, we really can work with them as a team to support them in, in you know, ha- having better outcomes ultimately.
0: So as far as, let's say I'm I center for Lynn Health and you are my therapist. I, I can't obviously see you in person because it's a digital platform. So I'm assuming they would be seeing their local physical therapist and then the Lent Health gives guidelines about how to work with the therapist or pain education or what are what are some of the things that the yeah. platform does?
2: It's a, it's a great question. We, we have people that come to us on their own accord that don't have a clinician. We have other right. people that are working very closely with a physician or a surgeon or a physical therapist. And in that case, we collaborate with them. The The platform is really based around a coach. Um We have a variety of different types of coaches from different backgrounds within the platform, but the coach is really their guide um, to be able to direct them to whatever resources they might need support with. Mm -hmm. And sometimes that means connecting them with an app that helps them with sleep or with mindfulness. Um, sometimes it's connecting them with resources around pain science education a TED talk your website you know to read more about if someone has is considering spine surgery like we want to share with you what dr. Hanscom has to say so we really want to consider it like a hub where we're connecting people with the right thing mm-hmm. the coach is also armed with all of the strategies that the person will need um, to to go down this new road everything from, Ruling out the body and connecting with a physician that can help them with that to make this diagnosis of primary pain or, uh, you know, whatever whatever we want to call it, they might um, support them with somatic tracking strategies, emotional processing strategies, working on their thoughts, looking at things in their life that signal danger versus safety, looking at that balance, giving them the green light to move, um, supporting them with it, supporting them with anxiety. And that's done with a combination of asynchronous chat, where people are chatting with their coach back mm-hmm. and forth, and a certain amount of live synchronous video call time each month. So they can meet with their coach one-on-one. Um, it's important to say that um, the members will start with a visit with a physician that can give them sort of a new opinion based on all of the other physicians they've seen, and work with their primary care doc or whoever, whatever specialist they're working with to let them know where they are on this spectrum of, do you have a structural problem? Are you dealing with primary symptoms that are strictly driven by the brain and nervous system or are you somewhere on this continuum? Um, and we like to say that no matter where you are on that continuum, there's an opportunity to help you feel better.
0: So I'm a leading question here. So I I know you see, I'm going to say, assuming assume you you see a lot of success. I mean, I know you see a lot of success. What, how people do thrive. So this is a tough question to answer, but if somebody actually dives in and goes full blast into all the different resources that you have, there's a pretty high chance of success. Do Do you have a guesstimate? What I see my contention is that if you read my book or look at the website and don't do anything, nothing works. What I'm intrigued about what you're doing is that are you always combining it with physical therapy at some level, a lot of the
2: times or not necessarily? You mean in my practice or within Lynn Health? Within Lynn
0: Health. I mean, here's the deal with all the stuff we do. We know that the biggest factor in probably people getting better or not is their willingness to engage. So healing is a process where you get to allow yourself to heal. I I can't heal you. You can't heal me. People can heal themselves. So as far as the general program, is it pretty? It sounds like it's very interactive, which is great. Is it always combined with physical therapy, or not necessarily?
2: Not necessarily. Um, there are times when I'll consult with people within the the platform if that seems like a barrier. Oftentimes, they already have people that they're working with chiropractor, mm-hmm. physical therapist, and that's fine. Um, we do like to customize it, as you said, to make sure it's, it's what they need because no two people are the same. And I think that's also something that makes it unique is um, not only do we customize it, but the coach really works with the member to figure out you know, what their goals are and where they need to go. And the other thing that's predictive, right, of outcomes is autonomy, Um, Because because we're not the ones that fix people because it's an inside job because they ultimately heal themselves. We want this to be a collaborative process where we're working with them to navigate, you know, see exactly what they need. Great.
0: So I'd like to, on the second podcast, go in a little bit more detail, which you actually do pull, putting people through the process. I I realize it's individual. But um, I do think that the general principles, no matter which one of us is doing it, tend not to be sort of the same. So I like, I like to discuss it in more detail in a second podcast. So we can access you at lynhealth.com.
2: Is that the website? It's lin.health.
0: Oh, uh, lin.health. Uh, lin
2: L I N. Health. L I N. Health. And yeah, you can go to the website. And you know I'm a consultant on this project. So I exist somewhere in the metaverse there. <laughs> but once people get in there and they sign up, um, they have access to me and to know that I'm behind the scenes mentoring the coaches with a, with a great team of clinicians and researchers that are really backing them up and, and um, building this so that it's the most robust platform. You, you asked about outcomes and, um, you know, we're only uh, two years into this project and we're learning a ton as we do this right about how to continually strengthen outcomes but when people engage and they get to the starting line with a little bit of a different mindset and a shift in belief and they're ready to do the work it's unbelievable yeah, the, it the unbelievable. Outcomes
0: yeah i mean i agree it is unbelievable i mean you know as you know like a surgical practice to do this i've seen as you know you've seen many many spine surgery failures in your practice it's so hard watching people have failed spine surgery and, as you know, a lot of those surgeries are being done in normally aging spines. So when you operate in a normal aging spine, you're not going to help somebody. It always hurts. And so watching that mayhem occur versus the successes that you see, it's just hard. It was too hard for me to watch. So um, anyway, um, anything else we should know as far as your resources? Um, any other resources that we need to think about?
2: Um, you know, my clinical practice is mperformance.com, the letter mperformance.com. Um, probably half of my work. I also teach a course with Dr. Howard Schubiner called Beyond Pain Education, which people mm-hmm. can find on the website. Okay. And then I'm probably most active on Instagram, creating content there, which is at Charlie Merrill. Mm-hmm. I'm on YouTube as well, but Instagram has kind of become, since I only have so much time, to become right. my focus of how I'm trying to like. You know, spread the word here.
0: Yeah, you're a busy guy. Well, Charlie, thank you. And I'm looking forward to our next little podcast here.
2: Thank you, David. Enjoy talking to you.
1: I'd like to thank our guest, Charlie Merrill, for being on the show today and for sharing the evolution of his treatment of chronic pain. I'm your host, Tom Masters, reminding you to be back next week for another episode of Back in Control Radio with Dr. David Hanscom. And in the meantime, be sure to visit the website at www.backincontrol.com.
0: Thanks for listening today and join us next week for Back in Control Radio.